Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Utah, give me two. Hello again, everybody in the Palazzo Podcast world. We are here again for another prospect show. Uh, this is Ben Chase, Big Gentle Ben, on all the social medias, and I am joined again by my man Robbie Baseball. And we're going to hear, we're going to talk to you about some of the the movement that has gone on this off season uh, among prospects and. Best part, Robbie, is we kind of get to start off with there was a really kind of a big move today. Absolutely, yeah. there was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into it. We we kind of mentioned it on um, some social media things, mm-hmm. and uh, you're welcome to find us there, Plaza Podcast, wherever uh, the Instagrams and the the X <laughs> is of the world. Uh, but yeah, the the trade was the. Cubs got a relief pitcher who we don't need to worry about for fancy purposes, a veteran player who, you know, was on the 40 man and and whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they got a legit prospect in Michael Bush and the Dodgers did some dreaming and the Cubs were willing to part with what I think are a couple of very high ceiling prospects. One who everybody probably knew about before and another one who everyone will now have on their FYPD draft boards um, an 11th round pick from this year's draft. So, uh, Ben, do you want to discuss the Cubby side? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Almonte is Almonte. I don't even think he's a guy, if you're in a save hold or in a holds league, he's probably not that kind of a guy. He's going to be a no. sixth, seventh inning guy. He's just, you know, mid 90s with throws his slider 50% of the time. You know, he's just kind of a, he's, he's a reliever in today's game. He just, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to stream onto your 30 man roster, your 30 team lo- rosters, if things go well for him this year. Yeah. Otherwise, he's not even rostered in that league, you know, that yeah. size of league. So, really irrelevant outside <laughs> of something crazy happening. But the guy you need to know about is Michael Bush, who they've already then, I've seen two different guys I trust with the Cubs put out already that Bush will be their first baseman. And that is really interesting to me hmm. because he's got some defensive versatility. He is a legit, he's he's a legit third baseman. He can handle second base. The guy was a first base outfield type when he got drafted, but he's more than that. Always has been a better athlete than you would think. I mean, he's 6'3", like 215. So, I mean, he's not, he looks the part of an athletic guy, but 
He can swing it from the left side, takes walks. I mean, this is kind of a, a decent 3-2 outcome type of a guy that just, I mean, really, the funny part is he fits a Max Muncy type of mold with maybe even a little better contact. But the problem is, and, and he might be even a little better than Max Muncy defensively, but the Dodgers already have the proven asset in Max Muncy. So why give time to the guy who could be Max Muncy and has that mold? And so it makes a ton of sense for them to make this deal. Um, but I do, I really like Bush in in Wrigley Field. I think that's going to be a good fit for him. I mean, the he's a Minnesota kid who then went to North Carolina, but I mean, he's coming back to the upper Midwest. He's played ball in cold weather his, in his life. He knows he's going to be able to handle April and September in Chicago. That's one thing you hear about for people. That's not going to be an issue for him. Um, I, I do love the duality of the fact that his divisional rival is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers with the last name Bush. You know, and then he also gets to see St. Louis as well. So, I mean, you have the Brewers and you have, you know, someone playing or a team playing at Bush mm-hmm. Stadium. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, it's just the stories write themselves. Absolutely. I mean, the title of this podcast we were arguing about because I said, <laughs> why can't we call it Dodgers Shave Bush Add Hope? For this season, and you said that's inappropriate. Uh, and I thought, I thought Which, about another one. I thought about because on the Dodgers side, they now have Ferris and Bueller. I mean, the story writes itself. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I honestly, I love this move for Bush. Most importantly, for everybody who rosters him, I love this move for Bush. Um, what I don't like the move for is what I think is actually going to happen. And that's the Nick Madrigal who shouldn't be pegged as the Cubs third baseman and Christopher Morrell who shouldn't be pegged as like an infielder type. He should be, you know, your left fielder DH guy. Um, they're going to lose at bats because Patrick wisdom needs to play somewhere. And if they do decide to do this with Bush where they actually put him at either corner, like it honestly, it doesn't matter for total at bats between that, like herd of players, yep. it's going to hurt the fantasy value of all of them. I think except Bush, because he didn't have value prior to this deal um, for 2024 because it was very uncertain, as you nailed the the analysis with Muncie. Like, you've got the guy, and you've got Vargas also, who, like, the Dodgers are really trying to force um, Vargas to be this, like, super patient hitter. Uh, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. for so many MLB at-bats, but they're still trying to get that done with him, and clearly he's their preferred project over the Michael Bush. Plus, they can always yeah. turn out useful uh mlb outfielders you know james outman was the most recent one from last year mm-hmm. i was pegging him off in 2021 picked him up in a couple 2022 drafts cashed in 2023 and then i did trade him in in one important to me league this offseason uh just because i didn't know exactly what the dodgers were going to do but i did believe there was a way to get that value out because you don't know what the dodgers are always going to make their lineup look like right and then you yeah. certainly don't trust dave roberts to be uh, making n- normal rational decisions so <laughs> i like the move for bush but the rest of the guys with the cubs it hurts their value a little bit um mm-hmm in just total potential fantasy value. If we see a corresponding move where like Madrigal or Morel leave or do something, I'll be interested in that. But I don't think that's going to be the focus. If if we saw anything or learned anything last year uh, from Matt Mervis, uh, they're not going to give a position to a prospect. He will need to earn it. So that's the only good thing I can see from this is that Bush, even though like Fangraphs has already thrown him on as the starting 
or opening day first baseman. They they like to do those things, you know, um, mm-hmm. first first to hit it. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, we still have spring training to go. And it could be interesting if there was some way of like Mervis and uh, Bush second half of the season could start to really take over the at-bats between first base and DH. We don't know. Somebody might want Patrick Wisdom. I'm sure the Cubs won't want too much for him. I think he's got two years left, like this season and one more of control. Yeah. Um, you know, he's aging, not that he's terrible, but like you can move him third base, first base, left field. Uh, but again, like he's a uh, two true outcome guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't have that walk down to the point that I would say three. So, yep. Yep. And that's so, I mean, getting to the Dodgers side on this now, Robbie. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we talked about Ferris this last week in our, uh, when we were talking about the Cubs and, you know, a very, very impressive young pitcher. I, I mean, certainly it it's the type of guy that I think that Tulsa rotation had a lot of last year. So Absolutely. it's a guy that the Dodgers can do well with, a guy whose stuff is really loud and just needs to learn to control it. And I think in Tulsa last year they figured out where – a lot of guys were going to go, whether it was rotation or bullpen, and that time in Double A allowed them to decide that. And they, like I said, there are a lot of profiles very similar to his in that Double A rotation last year. So, I think that's about the best fit that you could ask for if you're a Ferris owner right now. Yeah, I mean, there's really there's only three organizations I think in in all of Major League Baseball that you can genuinely be excited to have a player be uh, sorry, a pitcher be part of, and it's Tampa Bay. And I'll be honest, I, f- I think that's a little fictitious. It's, it's more uh, bluster than it is genuine results. And I can get to a little case of that shortly. It's Cleveland because they find a way to max out mm-hmm. whatever a pitcher can throw. They'll work real hard to figure that out. And the Dodgers and the Dodgers proof in the pudding last year. And as you said, with double a, they sorted stuff out, but they've been developing um, fantasy relevant pitchers and that's that's what i'm going to stick with versus like mlb relevant whatever they can they can get guys that can help you out that you want to roster in your leagues um and i think yeah jackson ferris was we mentioned before over slot second round pick um and pitch very well uh go back and listen to that podcast the the dodgers are just a good spot to go um when you're getting closer to finishing or not finishing when you're progressing through because they seem to have a system in place and i mean i think he's six four um and like a, he was a high school so draft a guy a, a lefty like this this could be you know we're gonna try to make clayton kershaw out of you you know obviously everybody wants to make clayton kershaw well, but here's yeah. a team who's who's done it right um and then when you get into uh zahir hope uh the 18 year old here you think he's just about to become an 18 year old uh dodger outfielder 11th round pick in in the 10th through 20th rounds the most you're supposed to pay a player is $150,000 everything and I'm I know you know this, Ben. I'm talking to the audience mm-hmm. on this one. Everything yep. over 150 comes off of your bonus pool the following year. Well, the Cubs felt strongly enough to get him to pay him $250 over, which means that they're going to lose that 250k in next year's draft, and he's gone. Yep. He he's gone to get them a first third baseman in Michael Bush, and they're happy to pay that. Um, but for hope here, like he's in a great organization to go into for development. And again, as I mentioned with James Outman and other outfielders, they produce these guys. Like they find a way to make a fantasy relevant. And for the sake of this as a human being, 
an MLB player out of you. And if they know they've got this guy, I think that they're going to you know, really hope that he can develop properly. Now, here's what's what I find absolutely hilarious. You know, I do a FYPD ranking for uh, a top 100 FYPD ranking mm-hmm. for Rotoballer. And so I was asking around a little bit on on Hope. And I had somebody who flat out said that he's really a lot like James Outman. And now he's oh, in wow. the Dodger, he's in the Dodger system, which I think is just that is a perfect. I mean, for he's an incredibly athletic guy. I mean, sometimes those guys are Jaron Kendall and come in and they just can't make the contact. He's a guy who I think he's going to be a high walk, high strikeout type of guy, but he's mm-hmm. also a guy yeah. with speed and power. Yeah. And, you know, that his complex looked amazing, but I think he was advanced beyond complex, really. It just didn't get into full season ball. This year's going to be a, a big step for him. And then obviously for any player, double A is kind of that next big step for him. But I mean, it's going to be very interesting to watch him this year because like I, said, I think he's going to be a guy that you might see 100 walks and 100 strikeouts in the minor league season, but he's going to very potentially do 2020 all the way up too. Yeah, which would be amazing. And like you said, double A is the big, the first time they get a real big adjustment. And I like to think that that's a time that you can turn a lot of OBP Kings into, you know, jesters at that point, because a lot of the guys all of a sudden are like, oh no, off speed that moves, you know, or something is, something is doing it, what it did not before, right? Because they only run into a few highly touted pitchers every so often, because those guys aren't going out, you know, those hopeful future rotation guys, they're not getting six innings when they're going out at low level, they're getting four to five, and that's later in the year. Um, You had mentioned before, uh, when we were just chit-chatting about, um, one of the minor league players that was uh, getting built up. And you said his plan was by the end, this is back to 2020 uh, Mm -hmm. shortened season. The plan was as the season went on to get up, to be a six inning guy. Well, you got to get up there, right? And in the minor leagues, they're not trying to get you there out of the gate. And some of the managers have mandates of, we need X number of innings from these guys, you know, so they don't care if they're in first or second. I remember a long time ago when uh, I think it was, um, Oh my goodness. The Lansing Lugnuts were the minor A team for the Jays, and they had Marcus Stroman, uh, Thor. No, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Stroman. It was Nicolino who ended up going in a trade oh, and did, really yep. didn't do much. Justin Nicolino, uh, Thor, and Aaron Sanchez, and it was like their big three. And they yep. were giving giving the two guys, I think, four innings, and then the next one went in for four more innings. And however they rotated through, because again, that's what can happen at the minor league level. Yep. So it's harder to judge those things, but. On the out, outfield side here, uh, for Hope specifically, like I love it. The problem that I think now is that he's going to get drafted like he's Evan Carter because a lot of people yeah. are going to start to like do the dive that we're doing, but but people are going to hear it and they're going to think he's a superstar. It, far from it, you know. Like you don't get yeah. picked in the eleventh round and take four hundred thousand dollars if you could have been picked in the first and got four million. There's a reason that he wasn't picked. This I doesn't mean he won't work out. But I just don't want everyone to go and think, okay, he's he's going to definitely be you know a top thirty pick, and he's the second best high school outfielder off the board. Like, don't get crazy with it, but start to consider him now, or depending on your league, put him on your watch list. And like Ben said, watch to see what that year is. Is he striking mm-hmm. out as much as he's walking? Because that's okay, you know, I'll take that. Um, but if he's striking out three times as much as he's walking, then that's really going to hurt his development further on. Because you love speed, you love power, uh, but there's that like 
terrifying thing that a, a hitter is going to start to chase a pitch and all of a sudden that average is going to drop and then the coaches are going to get in to fix one issue and they're taking away from what the player actually can do well because they're like we know you can hit for power but right now we're going to get you to you know flatten out your swing and do this and do that mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're screwed you know and if, if you don't believe me just look at colby rasmus uh, that's oh. a, a great example of somebody who was constantly chasing an adjustment in his career and when he got it right he still found a way to tinker with it when he started to, you know, have a little ebb and flow in the season. And that guy lost it as much as he had it, but he could have been so much good for so much longer if he had just been kind of left to sort it out. Instead, he was a tinkering machine. Jason Hayward, another one hmm. who's tinkered from day one and that rookie year. If he holds on to the guy he was his rookie year, which was uber elite defensive yep. right fielder, plus a guy who could hit 20, steal 20, get on base at a 350-plus clip. I mean, if he holds on to that and has 10 years of that, we're starting to talk about, is this guy a potential Hall of Famer? And instead, here he is this year signing, re-signing with the Dodgers as kind of a bit piece, and now he's, it looks like he's kind of going to be in a very crowded outfield, frankly, yeah. with the Dodgers. But, I mean, that's really what that tinkering – even with a superstar talent like Hayward was, can just completely derail a guy, which stinks. Absolutely, yeah. So that's the that's what we don't want for hope. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, but it is it is absolutely a reason. Yeah, it, it, it is absolutely a reason not to think to yourself just because of the trade and the information and like we're speaking very positively of him because he has yet to do anything that raises our suspicion. But that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. he jumps two hundred and fifty spots in. Uh, you know, a dynasty ranking or something like that, simply because yep. we found out about him. We knew about him before. We were basically ignoring him because we want to see what he could do. You know, some guys just need professional at bats. Like I always yep. look to see who signs over slot. I find it fascinating and I follow them. J2 guys are also interesting like that. Who had any type of report on them and then signed for only $10,000? Why? What happened? You know, because there's information that we don't get because we're not in yep. that environment. Um, you know, we're, you know, fantasy baseball guys. You know, we're not um, out on the diamond talking to everybody and getting in people's ears. Uh, but this is how we can, you know, go about finding our information. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's that trade, which was fun and exciting. Um, we, as you said, but, Ben, we wanted to go back through. Did you have anything else on that one? No, I was going to say okay. this is some stuff that uh, that I covered previously with mm-hmm. Sam back in the day. It was Sam and I went through kind of the Rule Five a little bit. But I think this will be really good to hear Robbie's take now on some of the Rule 5 and 40-man stuff. And I'll just kind of – Robbie, I'll let you go, and I'll just – I'll kind of sit back and uh, and just join in whenever I hear something I'd like to throw my two cents on. So Okay. So uh, historically, I would do – um, you know, with Ty from Dingers, we would do a pre-Rule 5 podcast. All the guys that we thought were going to get picked. And then we would do a post-Rule 5 and talk about how stupid all the teams were that didn't pick the players that we thought they should have picked. And then talk about who they did pick and whether they had some fantasy relevance. So uh, I did not get to do that this year. So I had said to Ben, would this be okay? And here we are. So this is it. So the first pick last year or whatever in this past draft, there were only nine guys. I only want to talk about six of them. Mitch Spence is one to me that's very interesting because he's going to Oakland and there's absolutely no reason why you would take him as a legitimate starter and then put him into the bullpen 
unless you think to yourself, we have something special in his arsenal that is, you know, closer worthy. Because what's the point otherwise? So I think he should start. And if he doesn't start initially, I think he should be in the plans to be starting at some point very early in the year, like before we get to the second half of May. Otherwise, you should just return him because that's a wasted pick. He's ready to start. This is kind of, you know, a do or die situation where your first pick in the rule five doesn't need to be a good one. Look at uh, Jose Soriano, who's now four years, I think, after the Pirates picked him first in the rule five draft back with the Angels and now somewhat of a legitimate relief pitcher for fantasy purposes, depending on your league depth, of course. Um, Matt Sauer is one of the other ones. Could be a starter long term. Uh, Garrett Whitlock would be my comparable as far as like caution yourself. You know, Whitlock seemed like an interesting pick when Boston made him from the Yankees. And then he turned out to have a lot of injury issues that he previously hadn't had. Now Whitlock's like a mid to seventh inning rotation or sorry, um, uh, bullpen type piece. So with with Sour, if you have him, I, I wouldn't trade him. I mean, you just found money because you didn't know he was going to get into any action this year. But I wouldn't be getting crazy trading for him, looking to do any of that stuff. Um, Anthony Molina, same situation with Colorado. The problem is that he's in Colorado, and they've already done what a lot of desperate teams do midseason, which is sign, um, you know, the Dakota Hudsons of the world. They they are taking guys who could have a reasonable season in a big ballpark. Um, it's just that the Colorado, you know, Coors is not the right park to be doing that in. You need movement on your pitches because the park is going to already mitigate some of that movement. So I don't know if Molina has some type of incredible out pitch to him, but again, he's going to be like the, you know, mop up dude, I think essentially. And I'm hoping that, you know, Colorado's very smart with the pitchers they bring into their system. They have reasons that they get the guys in because they need them to do things to get outs. But I don't know that um, Molina is going to get much success at all. Uh, Shane Drohan, who for some reason I couldn't put all the letters in his last name together before we got on. um, I think he's an interesting case with the White Sox because he'll be in the bullpen. And there's guys like Garrett Crochet who have been through the ringer, who's also a left-hander, who could be discussing some of the ways in which you can get outs. And I think that's interesting. That's something, and, and Crochet is no old man in this at all. Crochet is trying aggressively this season to prove to the organization that drafted him and put him in their major league lineup year one that he should be in their rotation. And he's going to need to prove it all year long and go 80 plus innings to be able to do that. And there could be, you know, a thing that Shane here could learn from that. And we could see a surprise out of that one. Um, Washington's got Nazem Nunez as a shortstop. Oh, sorry, Ben, you, you muted yourself. What's yeah. up? Yep, Drohan is one that uh, I want to just. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get into the White Sox here this coming week. Mm-hmm. Um, but that team, the way they've set things up, for one, I think they acquired a back end of the rotation from the Braves for Aaron Bummer. Um, yeah, which they... I think is just. I mean, next to <laughs> weird. And, it's so weird. You know, I mean, it was like it was like four different guys that they put in that trade that I'm like. God, each one of those guys would make sense for a team to think of as a sixth starter, you know? And so now they've got, they have got a whole bunch of six starter types is what they really have. um, Which again, I guess former brave at that point. Right. So what is it? Uh, Whatever. We don't need to pull it up for this one. It's a solid stack of garbage that you don't like there's someone in in one of your dynasty leagues that's got three of these guys and they will not let them go because they're like no no this guy's gonna hit this year 
And I understand that. I, you know, I still have an affinity <laughs> oh. for Brent Honeywell, who is in that system and <laughs> is a lefty and could be talking to Johan being like, listen, man, let me talk to you about how to throw a screwball. Um, no, we won't uh we won't hurt his <laughs> his uh potential fantasy um, <laughs> stock with that. But anyway, Nunez with Washington, I think, is an interesting case because mm-hmm. Washington's proven two years that they're willing to have guys up who they think can be defense first and develop with the bat. And and that's Nunez. That is who he is. Um, there's no reason that he wouldn't get taken, you know, to get back to his team unless they think that Garcia is now a lock and the rest of that infield is set, which of course it's not. You know, you even got guys like Carter Keeboom who look like they were on their way out and the organization didn't even want them who all of a sudden got time and was like, hey, look, I'm not complete trash. I'm, you know, I could be a guy, right? Like, you know, coach me up. Um, But uh, with Nunez, I'm looking at him to be potentially in Wednesday games and definitely in Sunday games. And I'm not joking when I say that. When you get into situations where managers try to pace out their year, they're going to want the young guys to play the first series of the week. And then they're going to want the guys to have Sundays off. That's, you know, you play a day game or sorry, Friday could be a night game. Saturday could be a midday or an hour night game. Um, and then you've got a day game on Sunday. If you go night, night, day, that's when you're going to see Nunez with the Nats. If he's doing anything at all with the bat, if he can take a walk, if he can lean in and get hit by a pitch, whatever. I think that's where Nunez's value is going to be is your deep league bench guy, 100% flyer. Uh, and then the only other one that I thought was kind of interesting from the rule five is uh, uh, I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly. Davison de los Santos. Oh, Say that yeah. properly, would you? You know, well, I, I, yeah, I, I think I, I think you're close enough. It's okay. de los Santos. <laughs> yeah, de, yeah, de los Santos. We, we know we got the last name right. <laughs> well, we even well, you know what? Even better, DD Los Santos. Um, yeah. <laughs> so to pick a guy who's like a corner infielder we'll call him that so, you know third baseman but you, you don't need a third baseman so first baseman who you acquired a former tampa bay ray to potentially become your first baseman gabriel arias is getting play at first base because like they'll just take the d in cleveland i don't know what we're going to see i could see him getting returned i could also see a weird akil badu situation where they're like okay you know the opposition's going to throw you fastballs just try to murder them let's see what happens and we might have somebody who looks like they're hot out the gate other than that, the other few picks I'm not going to worry about mentioning. And then on the minor league side, because like when you get inappropriate um, excitement over, you know, deeply guys, you know, you love fantasy baseball. And that's what happens to me. <laughs> I look at the minor league section of the rule five draft and I see that Kansas City with the first pick took Joe Gray, uh, who we once thought was going to be a future Milwaukee outfielder. Not that he was going to be amazing, yeah. but he did the classic stall out. You know, uh, Pedro Leone's currently doing it with Houston. Where they're good, they get to a level they can't exceed it. They're they they can't you know beat the level so to speak. Mm-hmm. And whether the organization decides to push them through or not, this is the potential fallout. And that's Joe Gray. Uh, the biggest lesson, the biggest name from all of the minor league rule five is Seth Beer, formerly with uh, the Diamondbacks. He was like a top thirty five guy on fantasy lists. Multiple fantasy baseball uh, prospecty guys were like Seth Beer, hit tool, hit tool, hit tool. They'll find a place for him to play. <laughs> 
fun fact, Ben, not every major league team is going to find a place for someone to play if they can't hit. Uh, so yeah. anyway, Pittsburgh, now that's him. And Pittsburgh did an interesting thing. You know, they got Rowdy Talese as well. They just picked up some guys to be their first baseman. And it really pisses me off because Mason Martin, once upon a time, was going to be their future uh, outfield first base guy. He was going to fit in somewhere. And I think it was 2021. He had a pretty good season, like a 25 dinger mm-hmm. season, and then took a step back in 22 or maybe plateau 22, like I described uh, Pedro Leon. And then last year was not a great year for him either. So Seth beer could still come up, but again, we need to see something else. If they could make a second DH, um, and if that guy could just start on first and then they could get a pinch runner in, Seth Beer might have a spot in Major League Baseball. So, okay, <laughs> with Seth Beer, do you remember why Seth Beer originally came into everyone's consciousness? Uh, not, no, I I honestly thought it was just that he had a great hit tool and everyone well, was like, this yeah. guy is going to be able to hit. But there's more than that? Yeah, he was a stud as a freshman in, at Clemson, just beat the ever-living snot out of the ball, which, of course, then you have the last name, Beer. Right, yeah, everybody, easy to remember. It just worked. Uh, It Looking ahead to this year and the 2024 draft, I am am concerned, to say the least, with Tommy White of LSU. Yeah, Um, also in Pittsburgh now. A very well, no. Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was, th- I was thinking no. Lonnie White. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, no, t- Tommy, Tommy White. Sorry, yet Tommy to be White, drafted. He's third base, third, first base type of guy. Um, but came onto the scene like gangbusters when he was with North Carolina State as a freshman, and just kind of has a bad body at six foot, two hundred and thirty pounds, and just. My guy, I watch him, and it seriously, it reminds me a ton of beer. And so this isn't throwing shade at Tommy White, but be wary of of him if you're in a – someone who happens to have an August FYPD, for instance, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that could be a guy who might get overdrafted just because he's going to probably hit another 25 bombs again this year in college, and I think he's – if I if I remember right, I think he now has something like 60, 60 or more bombs as a college player at this point. Okay. So no, okay, fifty one bombs in two years, which I mean that's pretty stinking legit. When you're in the, I mean, you hit twenty seven as a freshman and hit twenty four. He drove in a hundred and five runs last year in right. sixty six games. Yeah, yeah, that guy gets penciled in. You know here. <laughs> You're looking at him for the draft year, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm certain he's going to be like a first-round talent that people are going to look at that way. But there's just there's a lot of beer involved in that. Well, maybe there is. Maybe there literally is a lot of beer. Yeah. Yeah. But so. Well, that's good. So that's, yeah, just another name. And then we'll get to reference back to Seth Beer as a historical person of note when it comes to the, this guy can hit really well, but he doesn't have a position thing, which I think is becoming less and less possible. Um, because I know when the universal TH came in, everyone's like, Oh yeah. So that's just going to like increase 
different you know, non-athletic players, but very few teams are actually doing that where they're like, yep. this is the DH. Um, you know, of course you've got Otani's of the world, but like, you know, Nelson Cruz couldn't find himself a place to play consistently. Uh, and, and, you know, Encarnacion lost his role as one of those types of guys too. And that was playing with American league teams. So yeah. it's not, it's not a, DH is not a position that usually gets a contract. It's baseball player gets a contract. They can also, you know, be in a DH spot. We're going to see what the Mariners do this year with their uh, Garver and Raleigh combo on that end. So uh, (laughs) the last two prospects that I had in the minor league uh, side, Ryan Fitzgerald with Kansas City. Um, And this is someone who just I personally happened to catch uh, in AAA when he was hit like on a heater. And he doesn't have anything outstanding when you look at year-end totals. Last year, uh, he had a 268, 348, 491 line, which is okay. But when you look at the actual counting stats, you got 12 dingers, 11 stolen bases. That's not really you know making anybody too excited. And tack on the fact the guy's 29 years old. So now he's going to be mm-hmm. playing this year at 30. But he's with KC. He's a second base type. And I just thought he was going to get a shot with Boston when they sucked. And for some reason, I think it was he wasn't on the 40 man. For, for some reason, they didn't do it. They weren't willing to bring him up. As I've seen other guys, they've come up for like three, five days and then they're DFA'd. So anyway, they lost him. Um, it, it's again, it's just me. It's just me on this one. And then the final one is uh, John Doak. Oh, friggin', friggin' names. Okay. D O X A K I S. Oh, Doxakis. Uh, yeah, yes. I would. No, I, would I, just, I just know him because I've, I've dealt with him. Okay, yeah, so Johnny D, as I will now call him, <laughs> who will pitch from the left side uh, in his age 25 year coming up. Yep. What a fun pick. So this is what I've written because I was so excited. 6'4", a 2019 second round pick from a team with a great reputation at developing and then in brackets, but it's false, to a team that helps pitchers. So he went from Tampa Bay to Cleveland. Um, he's going to reach his full potential with the guardians, you know, he might play in 2024 in, he's going to start in triple a, I'm assuming, which is where he finished last year. And, and I'm assuming back in the rotation, which he did not do last year, but I think that was Tampa Bay trying to think, how can we max him out? Because every year prior, he was a starter. And I believe when he was drafted, he was in a Tommy John recovery year in 19. So he really kind of burnt that one year or Tampa Bay, whatever burnt that one year of having him um, recover. So he's got four pitches and his worst pitch is the fastball, which would normally scare me if it wasn't for the fact that he went to Cleveland, who will be like, let's talk about those three other pitches. And uh, you know, if he can make anything that's currently average into plus that isn't seen that way, I think the changeup is the one that is his best pitch. Um, But if he can just get something going with that, if the starting isn't going to be the reason uh, Cleveland keeps him, they're probably going to move him into the pen and do the whole, we think it's going to, you know, the velo is going to tick up thing. And maybe that fastball could become a little, a little better for him. Um, if there's a one team that can take a broken player, if you, you know, if you want to say that he's broken, a pitcher, and, especially and a pitcher, especially. Yep. Yeah, and, and fix him. It's Cleveland. Now Thor arrived last year and it did not go well. I think there were some issues with Thor prior to ever arriving that yeah. he thought he's going to get, you know, something's going to help to tweak him or whatever. He's not right. But this is not the same guy, right? This isn't a seventeen no, million dollar no. player. This is a guy on last legs of potentially becoming a professional minor leaguer, and he's going to listen to whoever is coaching him. And I think this could be a real steal in the minor league draft. So that was my last guy. Hey, hey Duxakis coming Duxakis. out of college. 
I, I wish remember, I knew you know, how to pronounce that. <laughs> but I, 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 coming out of college, I really liked him because he was weird, but he repeated it. If you're Alex Wood is a guy that I remember when he first came up with the Braves, everyone said, Oh, the guy's going to blow out his elbow. He's so herky jerky, does all this goofy stuff. Now he did end up eventually having Tommy John surgery. He had already had Tommy John surgery. So now he's a two time guy, but the guys had, I, I want to say he's pitched over a thousand uh, ball games at this point in his major league career. Alex Wood has, which, you know, that tells you he's had done something right to be healthy enough to pitch a thousand major league ball games. Doc Sakis looked a lot to me like that, like had a really goofy type of delivery that made it tough to pick up his pitches mm-hmm. and made the fastball play up, made the other stuff play up, especially when he was locating. And the Rays tried to smooth that out. And to right. me, that is just, <clears throat> unless there is a specific reason why it's hurting the guy, trying to completely redo his delivery after drafting him in the second round. Right. Seems you like picked the really player rough decision. Yeah. You picked the player because of what he did. And then you're like, you know what mm-hmm. we're going to do? You know what made you successful? I got this great idea. Let's just change it. Let's change yeah. that thing and then make <laughs> you into a professional pitcher in our organization. And again, that's why I don't fully believe the hype that everybody gives to Tampa prospects. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are guys going back to infielder like Joey Wendell, who everyone's like, who the hell is this guy? You know, Joey Wendell's a, you know, a rookie of the year, blah, 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 like our candidate, like one of these guys who they're like, wow, the Rays are so good. They can make anybody into, you know, a useful fantasy player. No, no, no. They can make you think that they're going to be useful. And then you just get pissed off for four years trying to figure out what in the hell happened that first year when you all of a sudden acquired him in a deal or, you know, higher in a draft or whatever it is that he became someone on your roster. And you're like, wait a second, now the guy's 32 and in Miami. Like, how did this happen? You know, and you can get into, um, oh my goodness, umpteen prospects that are, you know, coming to mind right now that I thought were going to do something in Tampa. And then the big thing was all the time coming up with Wander Franco was, well, there's no point in being excited about any possible shortstop because Wander Franco will get that job at some point in time, which he did. Like, you know, he did. Yeah. Um, but you know, kids will be kids, and he's gone now. Oh, that's, that's as comfortable as I <laughs> was to go with that yeah. one. You know, as comfortable as I was. Oh, um, and and he he's gone. But now you you're looking at Tampa Bay, and you're like, well, what are they going to do? So they make a trade with um, the Mariners to you know they gave up Luke Rayleigh, who I think is a fantastic example of a Tampa Bay. Who the hell is that guy? Player he wasn't owned in any league or rostered in any leagues last year. He was a super uh, hot guy as the year went on because all of a sudden he went from, oh, he's like doing okay. You know, they got matchups. They got this. They got that. No, no, no. I think he had three position eligibility by the time the year ended last year. And he carried over in one of my leagues. I think it's right field is the, his outfield position that was the primary and first base carried over. Now, yeah. Seattle, he's not going to do that, but he's going to be outfield and he, he's not going to be part of the platoon. You know, like the like Hanniger is going to end up in a platoon. I don't think Rayleigh will. Um so it's going to be really interesting to see what that comes. But the shortstop that came back in that deal is going to now be Tampa Bay shortstop. Whether they can yeah. work some magic or they're just trying to like figure out what in the hell's going on with Wander for this year, I don't know. But Tampa Bay's pushed a bunch of guys up. Vidal Bruyon's another one, right? He was a super hot topic. Plus all yeah. of you know all those pitchers they pushed up, they didn't do the next level of development outside of you know a, a guy like Wander Franco who was good. 
right? He was good. He didn't, he yeah. came up and was supposed to be a game changer and he wasn't, he was good. And then he was a little bit, he was just, you know, he was progressing of course. Um, but they, we haven't seen that with their other studs. So I'm glad to see um, I, what's, how do I pronounce the last name? Do- Docs Acus. Docs Acus. Oh my gosh. I need to know that name. Docs Acus. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to see him go. And I'm, of course, I'm glad to see him go to Cleveland. So I'm going to write down Docs Acus. <laughs> so since I last or did kind of a non, you know, we did our first big three one. Since the last time I did anything other than that, which was kind of when I went through rule five and such. There have been a few guys that have moved around in the minor leagues that are, I guess, I don't even know if our first one we were talking about here is technically still a prospect. I'd have to even look to see, but um, he just (laughs) intrigued the hell out of me. Um, Braylon Marquez with the Cubs, with his his delivery, which is kind of low three quarters, and he gets such interesting movement on his pitches because of that. I always loved him as a minor league prospect with the Cubs I I will admit that there there is somewhere where I have listed him as the number one Cubs prospect at some point yeah he's had his time in the sun oh blew out his arm and worked his way back and just kept running into crap and some of it was his own doing but that's a whole nother discussion um he got moved to the bullpen this last year and the Cubs tried to start stretching him out through the bullpen and I happened to catch his final game against rocket city, uh, which by the way, the, the, the trash, trash pandas. Pandas. Oh, oh, what a great name. Oh my God. Amazing. I love it. And their merchandising is absolutely amazing as well with it. So, I mean, I bet just perfect. That's how I found Trey cabbage was, uh, he, the best name of a minor leaguer on the team <laughs> on with the, the best minor league best name. name, like Trey cabbage so, on the, uh, trash pandas. <sighs> <laughs> and Marquez has struggled with his location, but in that game, it was he had maybe a handful of pitches over a three inning outing where they didn't go exactly where he wanted them to. And when he can do that from that arm angle, he's got still got a fastball slider curve. And from that arm, arm angle, that curve, it feels like it's jumping up above where the trajectory should be in order to drop down, which is such a mind screw for the, any player who's trying to hit that ball. Cause you see it come from that, you know, low three quarter angle and it has hop and then drops. And it's just, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Like how, do, how am I supposed to hit that? You know, but, <laughs> but uh, so the Astros do things with guys like this. And they find he has signed a minor league deal with Houston. And I think that's a really good spot for him to be. I don't know if he'll ever turn out to be a starter. But this is a guy who could come in and could work from the left side in that bullpen. And, I mean, look at what they've done with guys like Stanek, who was, I mean, the Rays kind of used him as a an opener that would sometimes go two innings, and he was never put in anything useful. And now he's their like eighth inning guy in Houston. And, you know, that's, I think Marquez has that type of ability to where he could flex into, oh, I could throw you two innings today. And then the next day go out, or not the next day, but the next time out, go out and pick up a hold as the eighth inning guy. And that's a really valuable arm. 
if you're patient with it and allow him to get that control where it needs to be. I don't, he's just he's a guy that I've always liked, and watching him at the end of the year, he got better and better as the year went on. His final numbers in AA look terrible. But his last month of the year, I think he allowed two earned runs over like four appearances or something like that. So it got significantly better as he went on through the year. So, hmm. Yeah, Marquez has definitely been somebody who uh, people just would not trade because of the potential. You know, mm-hmm. like dynasty owners, no thanks. I, I'm, you know, doing the old wait and see on this guy. We, we want to know what we've got. Um, there are a million other players on this list who I would never even consider doing that. They would be throw-ins in trades, but that's exactly how you end up getting burned in dynasty is you don't mm-hmm. go and like have another look. Or as I always tell people, if you're not sure about a player, just YouTube their name and see how they pitched in college. Or if you can find them at, you know, a double a, whatever, just watch one minute of them and you'll get a pretty good idea of who looks like they're dominating and who look, you know, especially if you can watch an outing where they're not, they're not doing the best. That's, that's very nice. Yeah. Um, if you can do that. So right-handed pitcher Cole Phillips was traded from the Braves to the Mariners. Now I know you're the Braves guy, Ben. So what do you think? Good riddance or, Oh no. I don't know. We oh. haven't seen him. Um, the Braves picked him in the second round, the same draft where they got Owen Murphy and they got J.R. Ritchie. I mean, it's, it was yep. a draft where they went hard, hard after high schoolers, but they, he had Tommy John surgery, but he was one of the huge hype guys that year. He got up, he was touching a hundred but he was sitting mid nineties, pretty comfortable every time out until he, until the elbow popped. You're listening to the Palazzo podcast. If you're on the crapper right now, don't forget to wipe. We'll be right back after these pointless messages. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, I can't tell you what that's going to be like when he finally comes back because the Braves long played his recovery this year, and so he never touched a professional mound this year, which means we haven't seen him pitch yet. He was a 2022 draftee, haven't seen him pitch, but he was included in the deal that eventually or that brought Kellenick to Atlanta. He was the prospect return that the Mariners got along with Jackson Coar, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but, <laughs> but Phillips is the type of arm. I will say his reputation is very similar to, like before he got hurt, is very similar to Perlander Baroa. And Seattle's still trying to figure out what the heck to do with Perlander Baroa, but that's the type of big arm you could pinch at, potentially have here. You know, all right. Very likely, so yeah, certainly very not likely somebody to get rid of. And going to Seattle, I think, is a plus. Um, not that mm-hmm. leaving Atlanta is the plus, but just being, you know, going to Seattle is good because they've been able to turn prospects into pitchers, uh, which they haven't been able to do, as I mentioned on the one podcast, as middle infielders. They can't bring up their own mm-hmm. in that regard. Uh, but they've got that. Uh, a, a more prospect involved trade 
was uh, right-handed pitcher Greg Weisert, right-handed pitcher Richard Fitz, and right-handed pitcher Nickel Us Judas to the Sox from the Yankees, uh, and that was the Verdugo trade. So we don't care about Verdugo tonight. Um, but I care about Richard Fitz, as I had mentioned to you earlier. Mm-hmm. I thought he was very interesting this year. Uh, I had him on a queue in a draft league in August, or in a league in August, the drafts, and he got picked in front of me, and I think I had taken um, Houston's Rhett Kuba after that, and I thought I got burned losing Fitz, and then a couple people had mentioned to me, oh, man, I was really thinking of Kuba, but you know he got promoted and didn't have that one good start, and I think he's going to get eaten alive. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to look at, um, you know, one start for one player. And then I was looking at Fitz and I was thinking, I think Fitz, you know, could be a Yankee. But now with the Sox, I think that's even more like or an MLB or I think that's mm-hmm. even more of a guaranteed thing. And this is a legitimate starter. You know, you can call him the back of the rotation guy. He's not going to be your fantasy ace, but he could certainly be in your lineup, your points leagues. You're going to be OK with him. Obviously, the Red Sox being good would help that out. Um, you're losing points for losses, so it's going to help if you're getting wins. Um, but Fitz is like a, a reliable-looking starter. I don't know if, if you would say he was the best of that return, but I felt like he was, to me, oh, he yeah. was my favorite oh, yeah, of the three. Yeah, he was definitely, yeah, absolutely. And um, is it Weisner? Is that the first one? Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, he's, he's already kind of passed his, he, well, he has passed his prospect eligibility, but regardless... That's a, I mean, I think he's just kind of a, a reliever. He is what he is, not nothing huge. The guy, uh, Judas to me is interesting only because he's six foot eight. He can touch 97, 98 with the fastball and has a really like a hard depth slider that can get two planes on it. But he didn't get drafted or he didn't pitch at all after he got drafted this summer. Uh, he was an eighth round pick, which, you know, there's a reason a guy goes in the eighth round. He is a reliever only. He's, I mean, he, all through college, he was a reliever only. Um, so this is a guy you can maybe dream on because of, like I said, that six foot eight frame, um, and with the already present stuff. But I, I just, I don't know that I see it. Do as you a remember? Closer. Do you remember the name? And I can't, which is why I'm asking, or I just say it the name of the last Red Sox that was drafted. And they're like, this guy's going to be, you know, Craig Kimbrell. This is our next closer. And I, I cannot for the life of me, oh. remember this guy's name. Now it was a college mm-hmm. guy. I, I forget if it was like eighth round or earlier, but whatever his name, like this, I'm feeling like this was like 2019 maybe. And people were like, he's going to be up and he's going to be so good. And this is the type of guy. And maybe this is like a red, not an organizational guy, but this is the type of guy that Red Sox fans will be like, this guy is going to murder people mm-hmm. um, because he's huge. Too, yeah, like you said, 6'8", 230. Uh, oh, gosh, what the hell is that guy's name? I'm going to look. I know for sure a Red Sox fan or two that I'm in a dynasty league with. They're, they're all rostering. screaming right now at the... At well, he'll still be listening. rostering this guy's dumbass, and they're like, you'll see, Rob! Um, but uh, I know he didn't. he wasn't up in the bullpen with the team last year. And I feel like it was like Wasn't a Zephyrjohn. No, no. Uh, no. Da, 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 Chris Murphy? Word? No, that doesn't sound no. right. Nothing better than but. staring at a list trying to remember. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> Talk about your dynamite content. Well, he could even no. be out of the organization right now. He could have went to Japan. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll circle back to this when we get to Boston. 
for sure when we start to do the prospects. But he's the example that I give on if you think a guy out of college is a relief pitcher, just don't bother because there's <laughs> nothing worse than putting high draft capital into that. Like go draft um some guy that signed over slot that's you know a high schooler later in a draft, you know, like a hope type player. Do that instead because if you want someone closer to you know the pros it's still not a guarantee if they were in college and like he wasn't killing it either. It's not like we saw, you know, uh, 18K per, <laughs> per nine or anything silly yeah. like that. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it's somewhat muted. So next one up was Carlos uh, Mateo traded from the Astros to the Royals for Dylan Coleman. I mean, I'm not too excited on either guy, right? You're, these, these are just dudes. You're talking, I mean, Coleman's got his stuff in the majors and Astros might be able to find another gear. It, I mean, quite frankly, Coleman isn't that much different than where Ryan Presley was when Ryan went over from the Twins to the Astros, but the, he had already started that next step. Coleman really hasn't. Coleman needs to take that next step, but he has the present stuff. He just hasn't taken the step to actually make it useful, um, and which is why he, they got a DSL kid. You know, he's a DSL kid, really fun, raw stuff, but that's all you can say about him. I mean... You just, you don't know. He's never pitched in moment out of the complex yet. So we got to see all, I only know that he's got a really big fastball. That's all I I have not heard a single thing about any breaking pitch that he owns. So, you know, (laughs) um, the next trade is, I found the player. I found the player from the Red Sox. I was talking about, and he's been released, which is why we didn't see him. The Red Sox released Durbin Feltman. That was the relief pitcher. Yeah, yep. since reaching AAA in 2021, Feltman's put up less than impressive 5.97 ERA and a 1.35 WHIP over 75 in the third innings. Third round pick out of 2018, so it was man, that's how far back I was going for that one. But like that is vivid fantasy memories of <laughs> this guy is going to be a closer. I'm drafting in my first year player draft as a closer, so he's 26 right now. Um, anyway, sorry, that's just that's you know that's what my brain's up to today. So yeah, go on to the the Soto trade because so, I'm excited. Yeah. On uh, and this is one that we that I've covered in a few places already. Um, your Johnny Burrito and um, King, uh, Michael King, they're both non prospects <clears throat> technically. If you want to yeah. get into that, we don't care about them so, for the sake of this so podcast. For this podcast, uh, Randy Vasquez, yeah, he did come up a little bit and got mm-hmm. some time. Didn't look terrible. Didn't look no, great, he, but he I fit think in that's, though. That's really who Randy Vasquez is. He's not going to look terrible. He's not really going to look great. I think he's the perfect guy that you stick in the number four or five spot of your rotation, and he doesn't kill you, but he probably doesn't force you to put him into the number three role. You know what I mean? And that's honestly, those guys are valuable. They are very valuable to a team because you can pay them right now, you know, 750 grand and do that rather than going out and having to spend 10 million dollars for the same production from a veteran exactly and and hope so. that the veteran doesn't take a step down from what they've yeah, done you know, i watched the blue jays four or five years in a row i watched the blue jays uh give a veteran 10 plus million dollars and get next to nothing out of them um whereas with vasquez i think you're not necessarily want not wanting you're of course you're wanting you're not necessarily banking on on upside or something to change but you're okay with it. And, and from fantasy perspective, like points league, you roster this guy, you put him on your bench when he's doing okay, or the matchup looks okay. Sure. You know, when he's going to Colorado for the weekend series, no thanks, but you know, you find yeah. 
times in which he can be useful to you, but you don't build around a Vasquez um, like you would, you know, Soto on the other side, obviously. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the, and then, the rest I'm Thorpe. I'm not nearly as excited by, but it's um, it's interesting. You know, sometimes guys just need see, to leave the organization. Yeah, and that's just it. I think my my write up here, there, what I had written down here. Thorpe has back end stuff, but his approach and his control on the mound allow him to have it play up to potential mid rotation stuff. Okay, I mean that's. I, I really liked watching when his when his numbers got crazy last year. I was like, what is this guy doing? Because when I watched watched him the year before, it was like, okay, this guy's got probably a legit double plus changeup, but really everything else is average. So how is this guy going to ever be? How is he doing what he's doing? And I thought, well, it's got to be a ball, right? Well, then he was still doing it in double A, and so I I took some time to watch him, and he is he's aggressive on the mound. I really, really like the changeup, and he's aggressive on the mound. It's, once again, that's a back rotation starter profile. And certainly he could fill that out very well for San Diego by the end of the year if he continues to have the success that he did last year. But let's see. You know, I he's also the type that I think – a lot of people are going to overhype because he led the minors in strikeouts last year. And, you know, so they're going to see that type of a number on a guy and go, Ooh, if he can strike out guys at that level, we'll just wait till he gets to, you know, San Diego. And yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> no, but it's funny how the Yankees have a reputation of uh, hyping prospects. And uh, depending on, you know, your, the circles you're listening to, uh, they do a very good job of trading guys, who don't end up becoming, you know, what people thought. I'm um, thinking of stat was it Stowers that went to Texas. Um, there was whatever the te- there was a, a trade to Texas with Joey Gallo. That, yep. That's the trade I'm talking yep. about specifically of the like more recent case of it. Um, but it's, it's not a thing where the park benefits one type of, you know, a hitter or a pitcher that they have in the minors that does it. It's just, you know, the Jays used to do it um, with Vegas players. The hitters went there. The pitchers all stayed at double-A New Hampshire, a different park. You know, they learned the cold weather, you know, blah, you know, whatever. The pitchers learned the grind, whereas mm-hmm. the hitters got to go and have a great time. Um, and it's almost like the Yankees have a version of that where they can help themselves out with certain players that are, you know, uh, in Scranton or, or wherever they're sending guys that they can make a player look better that they might not think is the – you know, there for their future, uh, especially because they're such a free agent based builder um, of all the teams. You know, they're the ones who you would bank on moving a prospect to get, you know, a Juan Soto type. So this makes perfect sense. And for San Diego, yeah. it's one of those coach them ups, right? Well, we can yeah. coach them up yeah. to ma- maintain. We can coach them up to yeah. do whatever. And let's just hope that we can get something out of this because that Soto trade from Washington is going to look real ugly in three years if they don't have anything back, which is possible right now with that trade they made. So, Well, and the Yankees here, you know, you talk about how the Yankees utilize their guys as assets in trades. You're talking about here two outfielders that they acquired for eight pitchers. For eight? Seven or eight pitchers, regardless. Like, that's – yeah, You're dumping a heck of a lot of guys who are – like at the precipice or actually in the major leagues and you're just dumping them off to other teams 
and getting in pieces that you actually need, which is, I mean, that's the worst owner in your fantasy league that can go out and <laughs> dump out his minor league system and get a useful piece in the majors. And everyone's like, don't ever trade with that yeah. guy. Because yeah, we there, hate it. <laughs> there are some guys that are called serial traders in, in fantasy leagues where they're like, well, they'll trade a prospect for a prospect all day long. And that's fine, right? Like that's a one mm-hmm. for one. The guys that win your leagues are the ones who are trading away what you may perceive to be decent talent and getting back someone that you're like, I don't know how useful that guy they got back is. And then it turns out that they're kind of banking it up to make that big, you know, Juan Soto trade, mm-hmm. or they're getting themselves ready to add all those pieces. So then you look at their roster and you're like, well, it doesn't look that dominant. Like how the hell have they been in, you know, the you know finals <laughs> two years in a row? Yeah. How have they done that? And it's because they're the ones who are not blowing it up. They're the ones who are just churning it out, right? Like they're getting prospects. They get to a point, they move them. And then you've got MLB organizations doing the exact same thing. Because depending on how leagues have free agency, you know, dynasty leagues and whatever have free agency, um, you can put yourself in a great position every offseason to not panic in your league's free agency or in your universal draft, however you do it. You're not drafting veterans to fill out your lineup because you have those guys you're drafting prospects and then in two years you trade those prospects for other veterans on other teams and you just keep it going and keep it going and it's like this smooth act that the best do it and i mean it starts at the mlb level when you Mm -hmm. don't have to go and sign a bit and i mean the yankees aren't the example of don't sign a guy but when you don't have to go and get everyone on your roster as a free agent and bring them in. You can trade for players and and you know increase your window. Like the Cardinals did it for years, right? It was like, oh, the Cardinals window is about to close. Oh, never mind. Okay, the Cardinals window is about to. Close. Oh no, never mind. And then the Cardinals are always in it. You know, that's the kind of thing in in your dynasty yeah. leagues. Those are the scariest owners out there. Like this guy's been in the playoffs four years in a row, and his team looks better now than it did the first year he made it in. You know, like those are the scary guys. And that's what the Yankees, I sadly, I might be back to now. You know, they haven't been dominant. But when you look at that lineup on paper, it never looks bad, you know. Yeah. But here's the team that actually does seem to do that at the major league level, where they can just pull a guy off a scrap heap and turn him into something. And I'm actually going to move. If you go on the list I sent to you, Robbie, mm-hmm. I'm going to actually talk about two guys together. Because okay. they're both Dodgers, minor league free agent signings, and they're both outfielders, and they were both once hyped fairly well. So I think they both kind of fit. Lolo Sanchez, who was a top 100 guy with the Pirates, and just holy crap athleticism at one point. Mm-hmm. And Under a different Austin, name, I think, right? He Was, no, was he uh, always Lolo? Uh, he, Lolo like was he always, had a name change. Yeah, Lolo has always been his um, nickname. And I oh, think okay. for a long time he was going by his full name and then just kind of went in. to low. Okay, so that's what it was. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, I didn't mean uh, to cut you off. It's just, yeah, no, I was that's... confusing myself. So then so the Lolo other Sanchez. one is yep. former early draft pick, Austin Beck, who uh, of the A's. And both of those guys signed with the Dodgers. Now, if folks don't remember, Max Muncy was a release at the end of spring training by the A's that the Dodgers picked up. And everyone says, oh, yeah, the Dodgers just made him into what he was right away. He spent an entire year in AAA becoming who he is now and then came up and from that point on has been that guy in the majors. But they took a guy who they saw had already present talent but had nowhere to be in in Oakland. These guys have already present talent. Both of them are heckishly good athletes. Uh, Beck just missed a whole season due to a torn ACL. 
um, in his final year before minor league free agency. So it really kind of kicked him in the butt. Uh, and then Sanchez has fought for, I, th- I think, pretty much since uh, COVID to stay healthy. And yeah, so he's these are both guys who at one point were on top 100 lists and have the legit background talent. But it'll be very interesting to see if if he go if they go to uh, to Los Angeles and we see something coming out of that AAA squad this year involving either one of them really putting it together. Yeah, like their stat lines for both guys, you just don't care. It does not look good yeah. for you know for two years. Um, and and back, you know, you only have twenty one and twenty. I think it was twenty three. Or was it all last year he sat out? I just got rid of him to go it look at It was all another. of last year, yep. Okay, so it was, yeah, so 21-22, and neither line was good. But 22 was, like, you know, serviceable. But you didn't see high steals. You didn't mm-hmm. see, you know, a lot of dingers, and that was probably a bat-related. Um, the other guy is another Dodger that I was quickly going to check on, which was, uh, again, going back to talk about your hyped guys um, out of the draft, Trey Sweeney, you know. Oh, yeah. Now, now with the Dodgers, like Trey Sweeney was a first-year player draft darling. He was moving up. Um, where was he drafted overall in that one? I, I just I want to say it was second round. Oh, hey, Lolo Sanchez, twentieth. Kevin Kevin Brian Sanchez. Oh, okay. So it was a but different his, name initially. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But he was always like people <laughs> knew him as Lolo. I was I had to look that up because you brought that up, but I was like, hmm, I, I, it's not it's, something that normally would translate to Lolo. That's why I was like, I yeah, yeah, definitely. Right as now. soon as I saw Lolo, I'm like, Oh, that's the guy that had a different name before. I remember mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, so when you look at, look at Sweeney and like, it doesn't look terrible. Double uh, a last year for basically well, full season, just under 400 at bats, 13 dingers, but again, seven stolen bases. And and that's not what you're expecting from, him, but a 252. So it was a 367, 411 slug. So He's not exciting at double A when he's 23. Like that's basically the age at 23. Yeah. Or sorry, at the age of double A. But you want to be good at that age. You don't want to be a 24-year-old dominating double A because then you're old for the age. Um, yeah. even though you're really, you know, you're within whatever half a year of the normal or, or the average. So Sweeney's stock has went down. Um, but again, like going to the Dodgers just intrigues me more than if he would have stayed with the Yankees and, and- uh continued. So, so I like that I, move. I make this one very much. I I wouldn't put Trey Sweeney's future at short, but he can handle it. He just he shouldn't be starting for a major league team there. But the guy that it reminded me a ton of when he came over to the Dodgers is Chris Taylor. And look at what they've done with Chris Taylor. He was a shortstop. Yeah. He was a pretty high highly regarded shortstop prospect and just kind of bombed out as a actual defensive shortstop. But now he plays some shortstop, plays a lot of outfield, but he's just kind of, he does his thing and, and makes it work. And gosh, what the Dodgers are just about the perfect organization for Sweeney. But in that deal, I think the Yankees got a good one too in your bit Vivas. Yes. I, I really like him as a, I don't know that he's, I don't know that he should play anywhere but second base in the infield. But at second base, he's actually a pretty darn good defender. He's just he doesn't quite have the arm for third, doesn't quite have the range for short. But at second, he's pretty solid, and he's just one of those guys. He doesn't do anything elite, but he does everything well. 
Yeah, and, I mean, he's an OBP guy for me. Like he's yeah. he last year what was he uh, just about even walks for K's, sixty nine walks, mm-hmm. seventy one K's. I mean, I love that. But when you pair that up um, with only thirteen dingers, then yeah, like you said, you're you're dropping off your your value a bit there. And again, if you're going to limit it to second base, I mean, you got to fill out a, a fantasy lineup as much as you do a major league lineup. So uh, if he moves around a little bit, which could have been a Dodger thing, might not be a Yankee thing. Um, I don't see him not becoming a major league player at some point in time. Like I think mm-hmm. he'll at least have the opportunity this year to get some at bats if he continues um, or sorry, not if he continues, if he uh, goes straight to AAA this year and stays in camp for a long time so that they can get yep. a good look at him. Right. He could be one of those may type call up guys. Um, yeah. Not that what, yeah. Like either way, I like that trade because that trade allows this conversation to take place where you're like, well, neither prospect is dead from this trade. It actually could work out because there's viable windows within the depth chart um, of their organizations now. So, so then I've got two guys who are kind of, one pitch superstars, um, Max Laser, who was with the Brewers and now signed a minor hell of a name, the Phillies. Yeah, great name. Like obviously elite, a bullpen arm, elite changeup <laughs> guy. But you know, you watch him; he can manipulate the ball. He he feels when you watch him when he was he was with the Brewers. I thought, oh god, they got another Brent Suter. That's just, mm. I mean, that's really who he felt like on the mound. And so, I don't know that there's you know, you have to be pretty darn good as Brent Suter to make it as Brent Suter. I mean, it it takes a particular level of of control and everything else to do that. Um, I don't know if there's a role like that. I mean, gosh, if you think of the Phillies bullpen, you think of holy crap stuff. You don't think of a guy who's doing Brent Suter things, but maybe they see that, huh, that could be useful for us to have somebody who can eat three innings and not have to make Jeff Hoffman go out and grab two innings for us and save him so he can pitch for four times each week. Um, The other guy is Blaine Enloe. He was a twin draftee at the time, considered the best curveball in that year's entire draft, and still has that kind of a curveball. Everyone kind of hoped that the 91 would become 94, 95, and it never really has. Um, so he's got a hell of a curveball. They put him into the bullpen for the first time this last year, but then used him in multiple innings a lot. And I think if you get – the Giants don't do anything really special with a pitcher, but they take what you do well, and they have you do it a hell of a lot. And that's what they, where they've had success with guys like – uh, Gaussman, when he went there, he said, oh, you throw a split finger like nobody else in the game. How about you throw that 30% of the time and let's see what that does for you. Huh, he's almost a Cy Young winner. Hmm, that seems like it was maybe a good idea. Hey, Carlos Rodon, you have a, a sweeper slider that, you know, is something you use rarely, but it's one of the best in the league. How about you use that more often with us? Huh, now he's winning a Cy Young, you know? and going into free agency and making himself a ton of money. I don't know that Enlo's going to ever start for the Giants, but I think that they could make him a useful middle inning type of piece, Hmm. and he's just not been able to cross over that threshold so far with the Twins. And so just two guys that I thought, you know, one inning or one pitch type of guys, but the the type of pitch that it's so sticking good that they could have a future role in a bullpen – probably not 
in any relevance fantasy wise, but just someone to know. You never, you never know where those type of guys might come in handy. Yeah, league dependent, yeah. right? Le- your league dependent. You just need to know about the the existence of these players. And as you said, if if a team decides, hey, this is your pitch, you're going to throw it a lot, or mm-hmm. if you're the hitter, this is what you need to do when you're in the box. All of a sudden, we could see not necessarily a new skill set of you know higher K per nine or more power as a hitter but success that they had at previous levels returning mm-hmm. because they're going back to that what was once their bread and butter. Um, I don't want to talk about Ronaldo Hernandez to the D-backs because he's a catcher. <laughs> I think yeah. just stating that is enough. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Is there anybody else on, on our list to catch us up <laughs> that you think is worthy of mention here? Uh, Coleman Crow, to me, okay. is uh, he was traded to the Mets when – the Angels were doing it, were still trying to go for it midseason. Um, and then the Mets decided to use him in a trade. And I think they actually, the Mets ended up acquiring a more expensive version of Coleman Crow, which is just kind of silly because um, Coleman Crow, he's small, he's only six foot, and that might be giving him an inch or two um, right. in height. <laughs> um, yeah. And he has. He's labeled as having four pitches. It's really more like six. He can move his change up in two different ways. And then everyone talks about it's one of my my laments with fantasy write-ups on a pitcher when they mention fastball and call it one pitch, and he has two very distinctly different fastballs. Right. And yep. he does. Crow can throw his four seam and his two seam in two very different ways. But it's very, very similar to Adrian Hauser. Like the overall pitch mix, the way he looks on the mound, the way he goes about it. And I thought, huh, if that's if there's an organization that can do something with that, it's probably the Brewers. Uh, Crow missed a lot of last year after being injured. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems like he's in the perfect organization to utilize what he does as a starter. And not a lot of organizations will still allow you to do that, not be a guy you can throw 95. And yeah. I, I think that that's a guy we could be looking at two years, three years down the road as a guy who's pulling off Wade Miley type stats. God, I hate Wade Miley. Oh, oh. you watch him and you're like, how does this guy have success? But he's with the Brewers and they seem to know what to do with that type of guy. There was do. a September though, why. Ben, like there, I don't know if it was 2019, I think, I think it was 2019. Um, Wade Miley had two starts in September. So in like fantasy playoffs where he lasted like a third of an inning and oh, maybe no. one inning and completely <laughs> blew. And that was a two start week and completely blew like my finals in my home league. It was, and yep, I will forever hate Wade Miley. Like that was, I'm pulling that this was up here. Traumatized. The mention of the name just immediately that, hurt my feelings that month. Yeah. He, he was horrible. Five- Five starts for Houston that month. He pitched 11 and a third total innings. Total innings, yeah. 16 ERA. <laughs> yeah, bring that with, into your fantasy playoffs. With a seven <laughs> walks and six strikeouts. But the, here's the shit of it. He only allowed two home runs. He gave up He gave up 21 earned runs. It wasn't like yeah. he was getting beat out of the ballpark. He gave up 21 they, earned runs. And they were hitting him around. Home run. yeah. yeah, they were just hitting Isn't him around. But just it was nuts. 
it, it was uh like i said it was very upsetting and i just hate oh. wade miley and now i hate wade miley <laughs> comparisons so if you ever if you just if you immediately want to get me off course just say you know that guy really reminds me of a wade miley type and then i'm done i'm done um if you didn't have any other guys to mention i wanted to just quickly mention some of the 40-man roster moves that happened okay. last month yeah. Just and then anybody that we've already talked about the first guy I'm going to mention um, on the previous podcast. So hopefully everyone's listened to that one. Um, but yeah, so guys who got up to their 40 man prior to the rule five draft, who I thought were worth mentioning because I think it's a positive for their career. Uh, Arizona had Christian Robinson, who we talked about. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati moved up Christian Roa starting pitcher. Uh, Cleveland moved up Tanner Burns, a former first round pick starting yeah, I pitcher. Like that one. Yeah, that one to me, I you know, I'm watching. I'm watching because not all the Cleveland first round draft pick pitchers turn out, and Burns kind of was going down that path, but he's on the 40 man now. We'll see. Uh Houston had a slew of them that I had some interest in. Justin uh Dearden, an outfielder, Zach Daniels, an outfielder, Shea Whitcomb, an infielder, potential shortstop type. Um, and then I'm gonna call it Jaime, but it's probably Jamie Melendez, and it doesn't matter because like yeah. that's just what I'm doing. Um, no, Melendez was a re- Melendez. yeah, Melendez was a repeater at double A, but uh, great K to nine, and he looks good on the mound. I was very interested in him a year ago, and the fact he didn't go to triple A disappointed me a bit. But I thought, you know what, Houston had like Brandon Belak and a bunch of guys just kind of rotate in triple A MLB, and maybe they didn't want to move him, uh, Melendez into that, they wanted him to just pitch. You know, you go do this and pitch, and you're you're going to go do that. He's 22, I think. I'll play this year at 23, and this could be. I'm assuming this will be a year he goes to AAA. This could 22. be his MLB. Tw- he is going to be 22. Be, this he'll be, he's September birthday, so he'll be. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, here. so he'll pitch at 20, which is incredible to think he's already had two years with AA experience. Um, the White Sox added Wilford Varus. Uh, I thought he was a third baseman, but he was listed when I looked at, again at outfield. So, which is a little more disappointing to me, but this is like a 2020 guy. Um, young as well. I think he'll play this year at 23. They also added Matthew Thompson, who's a right-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, another interesting one. Colorado, it's interesting. It's not interesting. Aaron Shunk, um, middle infielder. <laughs> he's on. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Colorado in the next one. So it's fun. Jeremiah Jackson, former Los Angeles Angels, future shortstop, now absolutely pooched with the Mets um, because he's got to move to the outfield because, you know, you're not breaking in uh, to take over Lindor's job. And that's, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. And Justin Jarvis was also added from the Mets. Uh, the Yankees yep. had two guys, Elijah Dunham, who I, I quite liked yeah, I out like of his him. draft. I, I don't know if he was 20. I think he was drafted 21 um, and added on either way. It doesn't matter. He's on the, on the 40 man now, which means he's going to come up this year. Um, Jared Cerna is the other guy, second base shortstop with the Yankees. Oakland added Logan Davidson, who's a former first round pick and was doing okay last year. I think he, mm-hmm. he could just have 300 at bats this year and no one will notice, you know, unless he takes off uh, for some reason. Uh, Alberto Rodriguez with the Mariners is an interesting one. He's a former blue Jay J two uh, who had a good year three years ago, I think. And uh, Dynasty owners have been just crossing their fingers that that's coming back. So he's now on the 40-man, which you know doesn't help his value because the stat line hasn't been there, but it does increase the odds that he's actually going to get some MLB time. And then this yeah. is less surprising, but the the Rockies had also added, um, I'm going to say this wrong, I'm sure, Yan Quill fernandez who was like a you know he's a top 100 guy he's got a great nickname i gotta figure oh thank goodness because i don't want to have to pronounce his first name (laughs) tell me it's lolo tell me it's lolo uh (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> or Yaya. Just, he could be Yaya for now. I was just going to see because I know he's got a great. Oh, my gosh. Of course, baseball reference doesn't have it yet. What the heck? Yeah, but anyway, those are the guys who I saw last month make moves up that I was excited at. I do roster several of these, several of these guys in different dynasty leagues. Um, Dunham was one that went to the, I think he was drafted and went to the fall league the next year or something. And I was like, oh, that's very promising. And then the Yankees restuffed the outfield. Um, so I was like, ah, okay, he's not, you know, he's not coming up. But this year, again, I'm going to say it, this could be the year. You know, you could have uh, Judge uh dunham and soto that that would be an interesting outfield for a weekend series yeah. uh in some type of hitter friendly park uh, we'll see we'll see what happens it was it was more important to me to see some of the names get up because that meant the teams cared about them uh when we talk about colorado prospects i've got a guy who i think is probably their best talent prospect who was not put on their 40 man that's my teaser for the colorado episode was he should have been put on and, and been protected from the Rule 5, and he was not. But no other MLB team was willing to take a chance on him, which happened to, um, oh my goodness, what was the, the Blue Jays had a catcher they drafted in the first round a long time ago. They he, When he was Rule 5 eligible, I think he was contemplating quitting baseball. They didn't bring him up. I don't think he got into AAA. Um, but anyway, they they had a guy, again, another reason to hate catchers, um, who <laughs> didn't amount to jack squat made made a couple million bucks on the signing bonus, um, but yeah, they the, uh, you got to watch these guys. And when they get on the forty man, that's kind of the next step when you're kind yeah. of figuring out are they should they be part of my future? Right? Some of the guys are twenty five when they finally make it on. Some of the guys are as we said twenty two, uh, and those are the best ones to find. It's like they're young, they're not highly rostered. If you go and look at fan tracks, you'll see you know Jamie Melendez does not have like thirty percent ownership which means all the dynasty leagues have drafted right now, or, you know, they're settled all the redraft leagues, which knock those numbers down. They don't exist yet. Um, that's one of the things mm-hmm. with fan is when you same with Yahoo right now, only dynasty leagues and keeper hold leagues are going to have rosters active. So if you go and look today and then you go and look on April 5th, you'll see a big drop in a lot of the percentage of ownership for guys because all the redraft leagues have come in and really knock numbers down. So typically if a dynasty league, if you see a guy owned in 20% of leagues, that means he's owned in all your dynasty leagues. Um, but in all of the redraft, you know, through just however it works out with Fantrax, the numbers come way down, uh, which mm-hmm. I've also noticed they Fantrax has added ADP to their um, yep. stat list for players, which I think is an excellent addition. And yeah. immediately people give value to that. So if you happen to have somebody that you're not a big fan of and you're like, oh, their ADP is 840. Um, who are other comparable guys with a similar ADP? Maybe I can try to trade someone with a comparable ADP, which is someone trying to get rid of, you know, roughly equal assets at this point, but you got to look long-term and think, you know, who could be the guy that'll last for five years. This guy might last for two. So anywho. And so, I mean, that, that 40 man stuff, we're entering the time of year when that makes a big, big difference because we will get to the end of March. Teams will be making roster decisions And they're going to go, well, crap. If we bring up this guy, we're going to have to cut somebody from the 40-man. But we can bring up this guy over here who's maybe not quite as good but plays all the same positions and can fill out the bench, and he's already on the 40. Let's give him a shot for at least a month. You know, and that's – and especially in season when they get to, oh, geez, we just lost a pitcher. We need someone to come in and make a spot start – you rarely see 
the top pitching prospect that happens to be at double A but isn't on the 40 man roster get that call. It's yeah. almost always somebody who is on the 40 man already that gets that phone that phone call and gets to come up and make a spot start for you. So knowing those 40 man things are pretty darn important as the season gets close. You know, we had a I know we've got some folks who really seem to think Jackson Holiday is coming up and he is going to start day one with the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Jackson Holiday is not on their 40 man. Now I'm not telling right. you that that means he won't make <clears throat> the opening day roster for the Orioles, but basically it means that unless he is going to be their day one, six day a week starter, they aren't bringing him up because Honestly, I think if they if they thought that he was right now going to be that guy coming out of spring training, you'd see them working a, a Jackson Churio deal with him. Yeah, or trying their best to do that. Or at which least trying to, yeah. Holiday, because of his father, I think would be one of the few players who would be like, no thanks. You yeah. Know? But doesn't mean we wouldn't hear a report of the agent saying they're trying to get something done before yeah. opening day just to plant that seed out there. Because as I've been learning this offseason – Agents rule the world and agents rule the <laughs> rumor mill and they oh, completely yeah. screw all of us regular Joes over because they can talk to two different sources as they, they become a source, but they talk to two of their sources who then spread the rumors. And that's how you get Otani on a flight to Toronto. Um, when it turns out he's just looking if he's going to change his address in LA or not, or just stay in the same yeah. place. <laughs> that was, I honestly, one of the best, gay gifts that i saw um i don't do you know the effectively wild podcast oh my god that's how i found out about otani okay i love that podcast (laughs) so ben Lindbergh, you know the the host he gave he ended up drawing you know he does the secret santa every year participates as the host which i always i love the fact that he participates in like the the facebook group stuff Mm -hmm. as the host of the podcast but he ended up assigned to a guy from Toronto <laughs> and being the Shohei guy that, that uh, Ben is, he got a guy, got the guy a Jersey with nice. the, the flight Otani. number, with oh, the flight wow. number on it. <laughs> and that just turned out to be one of the guys from uh dragon's den. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, shark like, tank in the States, but yeah. dragon's den is the Canadian yeah. version that we've got. I yeah. just thought, Oh my gosh, that is, that is absolutely amazing to have that kind of a <laughs> that kind of, and and the guy took it well. It'd be one thing if you gave that to a Blue Jays fan that was like, "Ah, f you," but I mean, I think he. But the best part is going to be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just showing best, now on the on the yeah. live stream. Go to go to YouTube Palazzo Podcast. Uh, one hour twenty four minutes in, and you'll see the thing that I want to get framed which is a child crying, <laughs> opening a Blue Jay Otani jersey at Christmas, and the parents both behind laughing. It's just some AI you know, thing that they drew up, but oh my God, it made me laugh so hard when I saw that. And I mean, that's just... I think he's... Otani is one of those guys that's just going to be so much fun. But yeah, that that whole system with the whole like going, yeah, to, the agents. going to Toronto, it, it's, it's absolutely agents. And yeah. you know, they're... The guys, some of them are out there trying to do what's absolute best for their guys. Other guys are out there trying to 
make sure that they get the next best guy. They are trying to do a deal that gets somebody else to go, ooh, I think I want to work with that agent on my contract because they just got this guy this. Um, which, I mean, Otani's contract might not attract anybody to that agent. And that's <laughs> that's what, honestly what I love is the fact that he he said, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to get the money as the agent no matter what. Let's structure this thing to where you got to pay out like 680 million of it in the you know after he's done playing sounds like a hell of an idea to me i still get my money you know and so he doesn't he doesn't care and so quite frankly probably making him a darn good bit of money or a good bit of financial security you know and so yeah he's i don't know that many other players are going to want to do quite that and so it might not be the type of deal that attracts somebody to go to a to an agent, but it sure puts his name on the map. Yeah, I've already heard in several of my dynasty leagues that have contracts where people have made the joke, but I'm I'm sure someone's a little serious about it. How do we figure out how we're going to defer money for free agency in the future? And I'm yeah. like, good lord, we're not bringing that into fantasy baseball. No, so, um, God, yeah, no. you know, you got your serial traders in leagues. You got your guys that attack the new guy when they come into your league. You know, trade trade all your crap to the new guy for his his diamonds. Um, and then you know you've got guys like us trying to police it, trying to help you out and say, hey, be careful of this. Look into this guy, and we'll continue to do that all off season. So, um, yep, yeah. Well, I think Robbie, we're we're coming up on on an hour and a half talking together, and you know that's this one's shorter than the first one. So <laughs> there we go, we're making strides. <laughs> but I think folks, we're we're all caught up now, really, on your off season stuff that matters, and that's. That's really kind of the big deal is the, the prospect stuff that really mattered from the offseason, you're caught up on. And so now you can just focus on all of these fun lists and fun team-centered shows that we're going to do the rest of the way. Well, that and, you know, we're working on bringing on some fun guests that could talk about stuff that goes on in the game. And that's, I think, always a fun piece of it. And so if you have somebody you'd love to see us bring on, you know, find us on Discord, reach out to us on Twitter, let us know because we'd love to have guests on to talk baseball because, hey, we're sitting here 90 minutes in talking baseball. And I think, Robbie, you'll you'll echo this, that if we wanted to, we could probably go another 90 minutes just talking baseball and, and not Absolutely. really be hurting. So, Absolutely. This is what I live to do. It's snowing outside right now. Um, I've got an Ocho Cinco jersey just to trigger anybody that might, you know, get upset <laughs> by it behind me. Uh, but I am always thinking baseball. So this just gets me excited to go upstairs and kind of relax and watch a little bit of TV. Yeah. And I'm also just going to start scrolling through depth charts and just like, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. recognize that name. And I don't reckon. And that that's just what I, I love to do that. And I love to take that information and bring it and share it. So that's why I'm happy to be here with you, Ben. Um, now I've got a, yeah. a new home to share that info and ideally Absolutely. not just make myself and my teams better, but make everybody who listens, make their fantasy teams a little better too. Amen. Well, that's all we've got for you guys today. Let's, we ask you to subscribe on the YouTube channel. Give us a like there. Come find us on discord, find us on Patreon find Robbie or myself on on at the social medias um, mm-hmm. if you want to go on what used to be known as Twitter um, <laughs> or 
you know, you'll you'll just, find just us. Pay, pay in the Patreon, get yourself into the Discord. That's there the best way to get our attention. And if you're interested in a first year player draft mock draft if you're interested in a prospects draft so are we we want to see that excitement from you guys that you'll be you know with us maybe you'll participate in it um yeah just let us because we got fun stuff that we could be doing especially if we do this right we're gonna have two full weeks before opening day to play with yeah so who's to say we couldn't do our own you know discord patreon first year player draft and bring on all of you guys to help participate in it. Who says that we couldn't do our a big prospect draft, prospects only type of draft, and have plenty of our Discord and Patreon folks join us? There's lots of fun ideas we can do here, folks. Let us know what you'd love to see. Utah, yeah, give me two. Most of all, like I said, subscribe, find us on Patreon, find us on Discord, and we will chat with you again next week when we're going to be talking about three more ball clubs and deciding who their best prospects are and the next three guys you should really kind of know about. So, for Robbie, I'm Ben. So long, folks. The power of prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wander Franco is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.